Welcome to Ag This Week, sponsored by New Mexico Farm and Livestock Bureau. This is your host, Delene Hodnett. This week's podcast features an on-the-ground report from a farmer dealing with drought, a survey opportunity to plan for a mass animal mortality event, an update from New Mexico Ag in the Classroom, and we wrap up with a look to the next generation with an award-winning FFA advisor. The drought is not expected to let up anytime soon. That means our state's farmers and ranchers are having to adapt. With us today is Craig Ogden, New Mexico Farm and Livestock Bureau's president, who is a cotton and alfalfa farmer near Loving. Craig, tell us about your water situation. Well, the full allotment's about 3.697 acre-feet. This year we were allocated 1.4, so a little less than half. We're going to switch some of our alfalfa to high gear in Sudan, and we'll probably idle quite a bit of that land so we can take the water from the land we idle and apply it to the alfalfa and some of the other crops just so we'll have enough water, hopefully, to make it through the year. Why the choice of Sudan and high gear? We've grown them in the past. We have the machinery to be able to cut and bale them. With the drought, we are way behind on Sudan. We've used up what we had two years ago trying to keep our cow herd going, so we need to build up our inventory a little bit. And it'll take less water than hay does. Your season is shortened, so it'll save using the amount of water that we would with alfalfa. Other than switching crops, is there any way that you're adapting to the high cost of inputs? Well, that's going to be tough this year. We're, like I mentioned before, we'll try to use some of the alfalfa nitrogen that's in the ground for the other crops. The fertilizer for the cotton, we're looking at liquids instead of a granular. For the alfalfa liquid also, I'm not sure what we're going to do. We've heard some prices around $1,000 a ton. Just for the hay fertilizer, it was less than 500 so double there. So what we're looking at is putting some fertilizer out, but not as much that we have in the past. So we will have reduced yields, but we, we just can't afford those kind of costs. Everything else is going up too also. You're talking about some of the high input cost. Some of it has to do with the Roundup, the generic. That's gone up, but they're limiting how much we can get. So we may not have enough of those inputs, so we may have to go back to cultivating cotton, which makes me nervous because fuel's going up. So it's you're in this circle of everything's increasing, all your input cost, inflation. And even though prices look better than they have in the past, I have a feeling all your inputs are going to offset the gains that we'll be able to capture this year. Do you see us returning to normal anytime soon? I, I don't think we'll ever see normal again with the impacts of COVID drought, supply chain issues, inflation, the uncertainties in Europe. I don't think normal will be in my vocabulary anymore. The only normal I might see is AB normal. That's the only normal anybody's going to see. Thanks, Craig. Let's all pray for rain. You may have heard that highly pathogenic avian influenza has been detected in wild birds, chicken farms, and backyard flocks in 14 states. Tragically, this deadly bird virus is causing a mass mortality issue, and farmers are left wondering how to dispose of perished birds. To address the possibility of a similar issue in New Mexico, Marshall Wilson, co-director of the Southwest Border Food Protection and Emergency Preparedness Center, 
and Franny Miller, Assistant Professor in the Department of Agricultural Economics and Agricultural Business at New Mexico State University, are working on a survey to obtain livestock producer input for the development of a regional carcass disposal plan. Thanks for joining me. Can you tell us about this effort? The Southwest Border Food Protection and Emergency Preparedness Center has a vision of protecting the agricultural industry and the food industry within the Southwest borderland, and part of that includes emergency preparedness and response. This project is a result of a grant application through the National Animal Disease Preparedness Program to put together a large animal mass mortality carcass management plan in the event that there was a disaster event that resulted in a lot of large animal mass mortalities. And we've kind of seen through some previous events, one of them being a foot and mouth disease over in the United Kingdom and another just more recently here in New Mexico, the winter storm Goliath resulted in a number of large animal mortalities that had to be disposed of. And in order to protect the environmental health and human health, and of course the health of, of the industry, this of course isn't something that you can put on the back burner and attend to later. So the whole impetus of this plan is, is to create a framework for emergency response agencies and the industry to have something that they can refer to quickly and work off of in such an incident. And I understand that you have a survey that you'd like farmers and ranchers to take for their input. What is the value of their experience? The reason that we wanted to do the survey and include that as part of the plan is because one of the frustrations in the UK was that producer input, there wasn't really a way to, in all of the emergency response, there wasn't a way to get producer input and capture producer knowledge. And so this is something that we wanted to do as part of our plan was to ask producers what they're doing right now and what they would imagine in one of these terrible situations, what they think they would like to do. To build off of Dr. Miller's point, all emergencies begin and end at the local level. And we, of course, recognize that, especially within the agricultural industry, basically all of the assets that might be used in a response are going to be owned by the private entities. So kind of having a handle on, on what might exist and where our shortfalls are are going to be critical when we're thinking out this plan. To follow up on that, some research that we did earlier, the thing that really split the size of the impact and how many millions of dollars of economic loss was encountered because of the disease really depended on how much they relied on farmers to enact some of the treatment. And does it not just include producers, but also the potential recipients of the carcasses? Is that something that you need to coordinate as well? Correct. And so part of the plan is looking at all of the different avenues that you might use to manage carcasses, and that includes landfills, that includes direct burial, if, if that's allowable, with some of the agencies that have jurisdictions in the regulatory side. That includes incineration, and interestingly enough, composting is, is getting a lot of attention in the carcass management realm. And so dealing with all of those different entities and thinking about the different variables that might be needed to use each one of those different methods uh, is something that the plan is contemplating as well. In addition to foot and mouth disease or snowstorm like Goliath, are there other situations you can envision in New Mexico where this plan would be utilized? Sure. Uh, we're developing this plan to be used at any type of scale necessary, and that could be anywhere from a truck rolling over and having some mortalities from, a, you know, like a large semi-cattle pot 
all the way up to that foot and mouth disease incident where we have thousands upon thousands of carcasses needing to be managed and disposed of in a proper way. So really our intent is to go all the way from you know the most local level to statewide crisis and being able to respond in, in that manner. This whole topic about dead animals and thinking of disaster is not something that's fun to think about, but the whole point of doing it is to minimize if we do have a disaster so that it doesn't become also a public relations or a farmer mental health or a environmental catastrophe. By planning ahead for it, we can really limit how terrible a terrible event might get. This is all just part of a bigger effort to increase emergency preparedness. So we're also going to be working on another project to develop a large animal vaccination plan for the state, following along the lines of what happened to COVID and moving vaccine to where it needs to be quickly. So this is just one part of what we're trying to do and certainly encourage folks to reach out to us if they had any questions or comments or concerns. Thank you. For those interested in taking the survey, you can find it on the Facebook pages of both the Southwest Border Food Protection and Emergency Preparedness Center and the New Mexico Farm and Livestock Bureau. Are you a farmer, rancher, or dairy producer who is experiencing conflict with another party? The New Mexico Agricultural Mediation Program can help you with disputes concerning wetlands determinations, farm or conservation programs, or grazing on forest service lands. Eduardo Medina is here to explain the program. In the New Mexico Agricultural Mediation Program, we are actually doing conflict resolution. Mainly it's through programs from USDA, but anything ag-related. If it's not within the realm of USDA programs or credit, we just get a special permission from the Secretary of Ag New Mexico, and he'll authorize it, and then I get it authorized by USDA. Most of the time, it'll come out to no cost to the producer. There is a cost always involved in everything, but it's already taken care of prior to me showing up. So why would a producer find himself in need of your services? Sometimes they have a problem with the program that they've been in, or a credit, or a dispute between neighbors, water, grazing. We try to work with uh, people trying to get all their disputes settled. That way it's not legally binding, but most of the time it works very well. It is a resolution that they came up with. Life is better when you're happy about what you're doing versus being told what to do. Right, so you are the stop before the courthouse then. If you get to the courthouse and haven't gone through mediation, you're already losing out on some bargaining power. I just help people stay focused on what the matter is about, and also I try to make the resolution system where the people end up coming up with a mutual agreement. Sometimes it's not to their benefit, but at least it's not imposed on them like it is in a court of law. So you are the only mediator for the entire state? I'm the agricultural mediator for the state of New Mexico. I represent Cooperative Extension Service, and that is through New Mexico State University. This is a non-biased way of people resolving their disputes. It is an excellent way because most of the time when you are part of the resolution yourself, it's a lot easier than if you have to be told what to do like in a court of law. In a court of law, once your dispute is arranged, it is decided by the judge, not decided by you. And I believe that once you decide on your own, it is much more valuable than it is if you're being told what to do. There's a lot of programs out there that people sometimes get into but never understood completely, and then they have a lot of disputes in between that. 
as of late, we've started doing the family farm transition, and that helps out future problems that may arise. And it gives people a better understanding of what they're doing versus getting in a fight after the fact. Feel free to contact me. I'm at the Cooperative Extension Service Mediation Program. You'll just have to ask for Eduardo Medina. Most people know me by Lalo. So feel free to contact me, and it'd be my pleasure to help you out. Thanks, Mr. Medina. You can find more information by searching online for New Mexico Agricultural Mediation Program. Here's something that everyone can get behind. The New Mexico Ag in the Classroom Program is offering a grant for hands-on school gardens. Brittany Lardner, Program Coordinator, has more. Happy spring, everyone. This is Brittany, and here's what's going on in Ag this week with New Mexico Ag in the Classroom. Just as farmers have been busy prepping their soil and planting seeds for crops like chili and onions, teachers and students are eager to get their hands in some soil and grow something too. Here's a great opportunity for educators who have a passion for growing and making impactful STEM connections. This year's New Mexico Grow Project application is open and ready for applicants online. Visit the New Mexico Ag in the Classroom website and under the tab Teacher Resources, click on Awards and Grants to find the application. The grant is sponsored by the Natural Resource Conservation Service and each kit includes a four foot by eight foot raised bed, which also acts as an outdoor science lab. A drip irrigation system will also be included for that raised bed. You will also receive a hydroponic system for the indoor classroom portion, as well as material trainings and continual support from our experts. We will also include different connections for kindergarten through 12th grade curriculum and lessons that are connected to our online matrix through the New Mexico Ag in the Classroom website. The deadline to apply is Saturday, April 2nd, which is just right around the corner so be sure to reach out to either Tracy or myself if you have any questions. Good luck to all applicants and happy growing. Thanks, Brittany. That April 2nd deadline is coming soon. Go to NewMexicoAgInTheClassroom.org for more information. Speaking of excellent ag educators, today's Look to the Next Generation features Trevor Wax, the District 6 FFA Rookie of the Year. Trevor, tell us about your program. My class load includes three sections of intro to ag mech, two sections of welding, and one section of metal fabrication. Mayfield High School's population exists somewhere between 14 and 1500 students, primarily from the northern areas of the Mesilla Valley. While a majority of Las Cruces is an urban area, the northern end of the district is full of incredible farms and ranches. Not only are our farmers and ranchers incredible, so are the students here at Mayfield. Getting the opportunity to work with them is by far the most rewarding part of the job. Impacting young people's lives is the whole reason I started this journey in Ag Ed. My Ag teachers made such a huge impact on my life that the only way I could repay them was giving back to the next generation. I try to let this guide me day in and day out. My goal is to provide a place where students feel safe and comfortable, a place where they can be themselves and find belonging. I want my students to know that I love and care about them and that I would bend over backwards for them. A wise ag teacher once told me that he treats and talks to his students like the incredible adults he knows they're capable of becoming. The moment I heard that, I knew it would be something that shaped my career. For that reason, I always try to treat my students with the same, if not more, respect than they show me. 
I show them the same grace and humility I would like someone to treat me with. I'd like to teach them about life, and if I just happen to teach them something about ag along the way, I think I've accomplished my goals. Thanks, Trevor, and congratulations. This has been Delene Hodnett with New Mexico Farm and Livestock Bureau's Ag This Week.